You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Hey everybody, Rick Bassman here for a three-way dance edition of Talking Tough. We have an amazingly special show today, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but um, because I always like to hear myself talk at the uh, top of these things, there's a couple of things I want to share. So there is a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now, and it, it's it's been an intro, interesting time for me, for all of us, I think. Um, typically... I'm usually pretty apathetic. I don't get too affected or caught up in anything. Um, I mean, 9-11 obviously was a huge tragedy. Uh, maybe I just didn't have feelings back in those days. So I'm like, ah, oh, just another thing. And I know it sounds horrible to put it that way. Um, the point is, in, in today's day and age, with everything that's happening out there politically, um, racially, with religion, there is so much divisiveness in, in the U.S. and in the world that it, it, it's getting to me. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm not going to introduce our guests yet, but I'm going to say this about them collectively. We have three of the toughest human beings on the face of the planet on today. And I'm going to introduce them in a moment. They're all very unique. They're all very, very strong in their um, convictions. They, they have points of view. And they're listening to me right now, and they're probably all going to disconnect when they hear this because they're going to be, what the hell do we just sign up for? But um, it's almost like I feel like asking the world to, like, hold hands and, and sing a song of unity because I don't know about all of you out there, but I'm just uh, – I'm tired by it. I'm tired by the debate and by the, um, the anger and, and the hatred, and I am going to do my level best to keep – politics and religion out of the discussion today. Um, I, I know that, and, and I'll say this also, you guys will never know what side of the aisle I'm, in, I'm on, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. None of that matters to me right now because in my mind, we're, we're all people and we need each other. We need to support each other um, in order to move forward and, and kind of build, uh, you know, build a, better, uh, a better planet or God knows a better country here in the U.S. Uh, it's uh, one month today that my best friend on this planet, yeah, my dog, Ramon, passed. So that's on my mind today. Maybe it's making me uh, take things a little personally, but it is what it is. I know what I would like today. I'd like to hear from three of the toughest guys in the world and get to know their personalities and, and what it's taken for these guys to become who they are. Um, they're warriors. They're, they're inspirations. Uh, the, the show today is called 598 Fights. Why is that? Because if you add up the records, the, the fight, the sanctioned fight records, we're not talking about smokers and street fights and unsanctioned fights and God knows what else, because we'd be in the thousands, I'm sure. But there are 598 sanctioned fights on the record today for our three guests. They are the three most prolific fighters in mixed martial arts history. Uh, two of them have been longtime friends, I'm happy to say. One is a gentleman I've uh, gotten to know a little bit just lately. I'm very glad that he's agreed to join us today. Uh, without any uh, further delay, 
I want to introduce the three busiest fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. And so there's no mistaking in alphabetical order, the Iron Man, Travis Fulton, the Canon, Shannon Rich, and the Beast, Dan Severin. Are you guys all with me? Yep. I'm here. I think we lost oh. Dan. And we may have lost Dan. Okay. I, I think I'll explain. Uh, Shannon, I know you know about this because you and Dan are, are close buddies. Uh, looks like he's back. Oh, Dan is back. Yeah. Uh, the, the Beast, I'm going to, Dan, I'm going to give you a little bit of a further intro. Uh, you know, I've been around the pro wrestling and mixed martial arts worlds for so long now, around guys that have made a lot of money that have nothing to show for it. Dan Severin is one of the few anomalies that has been smart with his money. He's a good businessman. He's actually bought himself an island, and I know he's on that island right now. So reception is probably not correct. There is the water. Or Dan, you're showing off. Dan, can you hear us? Yes, I, yes, I am. Show and tell. All right. Cool, cool. <laughs> Man, uh, it, it, it's really good to see you guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to keep the, the floor open today. Uh, I, I want to start with this. So, Travis, let's go right yeah. into the Let's go right into the fighting world for a minute, or, or or the mentality. I've read a lot of interviews with you recently, and there there's some pretty darn I want to say entertaining stuff out there. Your quotes are awesome. Um, it, it it's been enlightening. I, I know you have a very particular attitude toward fighting. I mean, what this is a very general and basic question, but in your mind, what what is What's an MMA fighter? What's the personality and mindset of an MMA fighter? Just, I don't know. I think they all got different mindsets. Uh, uh, depends on if they're actually a fighter or if they're uh, just uh, someone out there trying to make money or, uh, or I mean, exactly just what their mentality is or what their goals are in the sport. I don't think any one guy can be summed up as just an MMA fighter. Okay, you you've got a huge record. What what is your posted win loss record? Do you do you know that right offhand? I know it's different uh, everywhere you look. But what's the record well, that, that you tell people? Let's see if that keeps stirring out. There's some that don't count. Like uh, you know, they'll count like I've done those the hand trace matches, and I don't count those. I can't punch you. I mean, that takes a lot away from what I can do. So uh, I believe my record is 251, 48, and 7. Okay, so you, you've won 251 sanctioned fights. I mean, dude, that's, that's crazy. Uh, you, uh, in the interview I read, you talked a lot about how you didn't like to train or go to the gym. You just kind of like pop in the ring or the cage and just do your thing, yeah? Well, a long time ago, I didn't like to train. Actually, I... Uh, Somewhere around like 2010, so about 10 years ago, I, I found I like training more than I liked fighting. But back in the day, I didn't – I mean, I didn't want to go to the gym and spar. If you're going to punch me in the face, I want to get paid for it. Okay, and, fair uh, enough. Fair enough. So I, I just – and there were guys – you know, there were guys in the gym that uh, – I it was just boring, you know, but now I, I like – I enjoy training. I don't like fighting much, so. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. That's, that's interesting. And, you know, Shannon, on, on that note – I know that you own a gym. I know that you're instructing four days a week now in Arizona. 
and and we'll get the um, we'll get your website up and all that in a moment to uh, let people know where and, and where you are and how to reach you. But I also know on the on the other side that you'll darn near fight anybody anywhere at any time with no notice, and you've that's, done that. Yeah, that's been my moniker since I started this thing. And, and you know, you asked Travis, what does it take to be an MMA fighter? I think it's a guy who just has balls, man. You got you to go in there and fight. And uh, you can't be afraid of anybody. So, I mean, to be an MMA fighter, especially now, you got to be well-trained. You got to be, you know, you got to have uh, – you got to be a good athlete. You can't just be one-dimensional. Like, like when Dan first started in the early UFCs, um, guys were either a boxer, they were a wrestler, or they were a karate guy. And now it's like, man, you got to be everything. You can't just be one. So, uh, so guys, like, okay, so when Dan started, you know, I, I, I was at UFC one. You, that's like Woodstock. Everyone says they were at Woodstock. Yeah. I'll look you guys in the eyes and say, I honestly was at UFC one, but it was an accident. I happened to be in Denver and I saw the advertisements in the newspaper. I had lived in Denver for many years, so I called this guy Zane Breslov, who was a WWF promoter for Denver. Asked him if he had anything to do with this. He goes, yeah, I'm a local promoter. I asked him if he had, by chance, a couple extra tickets. He's like, I got nothing but tickets. We can't give these things away. <laughs> if, you can, if you can believe that, right, for UFC 1. So he gave me and my buddy Jay Troy two tickets. And I remember going in there. And I remember the, the horrible graphics up on the fuzzy big screens saying things like boxer, wrestler, Hawaiian bone breaker. I mean, there were some great styles that I had never heard of before or since. And and Dan, when, when you started, I know they called you wrestler. And you obviously, as your career went on, became very multi-dimensional. How would a one style guy, the best guy in the world at his style, whatever that might be, how would he do now in today's game? Oh, well, Shannon basically hit the, the nail on the head. You have to be... Uh, have to be faceted in, in all areas. You can't uh, have one because, you know, the, the sport has evolved so much in uh, the span of, of time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, grapplers can uh, strike with the best of strikers and, and uh, strikers can grapple with the best of the grapplers. It's, uh, you have to be multidimensional and you have to be very skilled in, in that, uh, in those areas as well. You know, like just as a, uh, uh, Shannon was saying before, you know, when I first began, the uh, the whole show was basically style versus style. Can a karate guy beat a taekwondo guy? Beat a wrestler? Beat a sumo guy? No weight classes, no time uh, aspects. It was uh, the wild wild west, uh, and it, it, I think it was probably more of a novelty to watch at that point in time. The clashes of uh, the different size individuals and the uh, and the different uh, well, they they were allowed to wear you know, geese and things of that nature as well. You, they wanted, they actually wanted you to wear a uniform that depicted your discipline. They, they wanted, for example, they wanted me to wear an amateur wrestling singlet. And, you know, at that time you could actually grab the material and use it to your advantage. And I kept thinking, no, I'm not going to wear an amateur wrestling singlet because you can grab the shoulder straps and you could uh, choke somebody out with that. And, uh, and it happened just actually two shows later that, uh, Scott Ferozo ended up getting, uh, I think, choked out by Gary Bolanger, if I, if I remember the, the correct names there. <clears throat> but uh, it's, uh, you know, just a, a wild, wild west when it was taking place. And it has really morphed into, you know, just a phenomenal across the universe here, really. 
So let, let's talk about that wild, wild west vibe a, a little bit more. Um, like th this is a question for all three of you guys. So answer it in, in whatever order you like, or, or I can help direct traffic. But in, in the early days when you guys first fought and you all fought in the earliest of days on a scale of one to 10, how much did you know about your opponent before you got in the cage with them? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so a bunch of zeros, right? Zero. 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 Wow. One to 10. I mean, what? How many guys today do you think would fight on less than 24 hours notice? What, what, I, what I mean by that is back in uh, the early era of uh, the UFC, you would meet at a Friday night um, basically conference because it, it was not a, a, it was not a way because there was a, there were no weight classes you would actually meet at this uh at this uh introduction uh, of, of the of the fighters and they would have eight men that would be sitting up there and then you'd have your mediator in, in the middle and basically you know uh he would just be calling each one to stand on up state your name what your weight is where you hail from uh what your your martial art is and then you sit on, sit back down. And once they did all these introductions, they would pull out a bingo ball machine <laughs> that had eight balls in it, with each one with a name on it. As you spit, as you spun it, uh, whatever first name would come out might might say like you know Hoist Gracie. Second one they spin out there might might say you know Travis Fulton. And boom, you got you got match number four, match number one right there. Less than twenty four hours before you're about to step into the cage. You finally find out who your first opponent is going to be. Nevertheless, who the next two men might possibly be. So the, the guys talk about uh, some daring individuals. That was that was some uh, daring. The guys time. nowadays they don't. None of those guys would not let alone fight less than twenty four hours. But they'd let less fight if the guy's overweight, giving up one or two pounds. I mean, they used to guys crying over half a pound or the guy's a quarter of a pound over. It's <laughs> about. <laughs> The funny spot today is uh, where these guys, um, what's a foul and, and how they play it up. Uh, you know, he elbowed me in the back of the head or he'd need me while I was down. And uh, it was like, have you ever been kneading the head by Dan Severn on the ground? It doesn't feel very good. So, uh, um, like, I mean, like just in the old days, like any of that went and headbutts, everything. And I, like one of my favorite headbutts was uh, in Japan. If you fight in Japan, the crowd's, don't make noise. Nope. And uh, I, I was fighting, and I headbutted him, and it was just like, like hit the watermelon the way it sounds on the video. Uh, you know, I mean, these days that sense of disqualification, but you know, just the way these guys think about the world these days. Yeah, the, mind, the mindset's do... a wholly different thing now, isn't it? Uh, and and as Dan, you know, Dan asked how many. How many people would fight on less than 24 hours notice? Well, I'd say that same answer as the first question, zero, probably. Yeah. Um, but you, you guys would just get in there and do that. So I, I, I'm wondering, like, you know, what, what it takes, what goes through your mind when you're in that audience, ball, Dan, and the ball is drawn. And I'm, and I'm amazed to hear about that, by the way. I want to get back to that in a moment because I always thought those early draws were rigged. I didn't realize they were random. Um but uh, I thought they were all rigged for Hoy to go where he needed to go on his path to the finals. But, you know, God, God bless him and Horian for not doing that. Uh, 
what, what was it like when you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wrestler. And now I just drew a guy whose style is Hawaiian bone breaking. <laughs> would you, uh, would that even register on you at all? Or is it just like, eh, whatever. How, do, how does that feel? Okay, was that a question towards me, Rick? For, for either of you guys, any of you. Okay, well, I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, again, first time going through it, it was all kind of a brand new experience, uh, you know, especially when I'm there. Well, you, you mentioned before the fact that I represented the sport of wrestling. That's all they had, wrestling. Because yeah, as I arrived at UFC number four, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, there's some paperwork to be filled out and basically they're filling it out for you. So they're asking you, your, your name, your, your age, your, your weight, all this kind of stuff. And then they asked me a question I had never uh, been asked before. They're like, well, what's your martial art? Why? Well, I, I never had been asked a question like that before. I simply just looked at them. I said, I'm an American wrestler. Well, they had never heard that response before. They, they kind of leaned forward. They looked to the left, they looked to the right. And they're like going, what exactly does that do? And then I'm kind of thinking, well, I, I, I did the same thing. I kind of leaned in, looked left and right. I go, you might want to watch. I'm kind of making this up as I go. <laughs> because That's much amazing. like much like what Travis was saying, you know, the fact of uh, training for, for like uh, an upcoming event. I mean, I, I didn't train for, for uh, these events. I, I In a 20-year span, I did two training camps, once for 32 days, once for 35 days now. Granted, I was running ongoing classes in it, and I always loved it when there was an odd number. Odd number means I get to play all the time, and, and I, I like to jump in those classes. But you know, getting back to getting back to what you, what you asked right there, you know, yeah, the bed, the mentality it takes. You you simply know when you go into a tournament format, you have to finish off your opponent as quickly as possible without taking any kind of injury that's going to hinder you in match number two and or match number three. But you, I think it was easier. I think it was an easier time to make a star, though, because you might win your first match. Okay, you win your first match. But by your second match, you're, you're out there. You might have a little bit of mouse over your eye. And you look like you've been kind of tore up a little bit there, but you're ready to throw down again. But by, by that third match... When you look like you've been pulled through a knothole backwards, you're all messed up, and yet you're really just ready to throw down again. You know, people just thought that was just insane. And the fact that no time limits. So that was just another. They, they wanted ultimate victory. They wanted someone to be unconscious, whether they were choked out, knocked out. Uh, your corner could throw the towel in at that time. Um, it wasn't until I think uh, I think UFC number three on that uh, Big John McCarthy was able to do referee stoppage. That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. And and even then, John, as good as he is, wasn't really quick to stop fights. <laughs> You're right. They were looking for the the unconscious body in the middle of the cage. It's, it was a different it was a different world back then. Uh, I've got a question for all three of you guys. So you, you, you've got tons of fights between you. You've stood across the cage or the ring from a lot of opponents. I what, thought we fought all each other. I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah, everyone's yeah. fought everybody here. Yes, I know. It's great. Shannon, you fought Travis and Dan. Dan, you fought Shannon and Travis. Travis, you fought Shannon and Dan. So what is it like, you guys, when when you see each other now, being that you've been across from each other, and uh, 
I don't know if you try to knock each other unconscious or my question is this, when you go in to fight, what are, what's your, what does your heart tell you about your opponent? Are you there to do damage? Are you there to hurt them? Or are you there to get an athletic victory? What's it all about? Support. I mean, win at all costs. About it. I mean, for me, I never really tried to hurt anybody. I was always there just to try to win. Uh, and, and like right what Travis said, win at all costs. But I never really intended to, like, do damage on somebody, you know, more than I had to. I mean, it was a competition. It's a professional athlete um, just trying to win. And I think now when Travis and Dan see, I, you know, we see each other now, we're all friends, you know. It, it's a it's a common respect and mutual respect for, like, if you step in a cage with anybody, I don't care, you, you know, fight each other or not. You know a fighter, you re- automatically have a bond or respect for that person because you know what they've been through. And, they, you know, going in that cage, they lock the door. Hey, man, it takes a lot of balls to get in there and fight. Yeah, you know, Shannon, I've, I've tried to explain that to many people over the years that, you know, a professional mixed martial arts fighter, especially the guys who have achieved the higher levels like you guys have, that that there's a real respect. And like, you know, like you said, there's a bond. Because um, as you know, especially in the early days, people from the outside looking in said, that's a thugs oh. game. It's, it's yeah, a bunch of thugs. It's a bunch of, you know. We, people thought we were crazy. You know, you tell somebody yes. you're a cage fighter, they look at you like, man, you what? You do what? And now it's very common and everybody's like, oh, my friend's a cage fighter. Oh, my friend fights a UFC. Everyone fights for the UFC. Really? Yeah, it's all you. It's all UFC. It's right. like people don't uh, don't realize the internet exists, and you could easily call somebody on their bullshit. Pretty easy. Who needs the internet, so, Travis? You used to know every single fighter and their record. I, You're like an I, encyclopedia. I was, I was I was the Rain Man before the internet existed. Really? Yeah. Before, before there were databases, I used to know everybody's shit. Yep. Uh, I don't know why I don't I don't care anymore and I haven't cared in like 15 years but I used to there was a time <laughs> do you guys uh do you guys watch the current product any of you I, I do man I watch it all the time I'm a huge fan Justin Gaethje's out, you know, from seen, Arizona one of my favorite fighters I haven't seen a UFC in I don't know clips on TV when I'm somewhere where it's on but I never watch it so what why do you I, not watch it now it's boring. I couldn't tell you who. I, I think Conor McGregor probably has a belt. I couldn't tell you who else holds one. John Jones, maybe. I don't know. I don't watch it. I mean, I just it's boring. And Dan, well, no, you I watching? Mean, I, uh, I, did, I did not watch. I did not watch it in the beginning. I didn't even know it existed because you know, just like uh, Travis was saying and Chad was saying that the internet was not uh, strong and. Uh, you know, I didn't know it existed. Uh, you know, like pay-per-views, you can watch a pay-per-view from your cell phone nowadays. Whereas um, at that time, you know, the cell phone wasn't wasn't even all that advanced, um, and pay-per-views were only being played in uh, major metropolitan areas. So it was brought to my attention by a friend, and that they actually showed me an old VHS tape. They copied one of the. UFC shows, I think it was like number one or number two, they copied and they showed it to me and said, hey, you ought to think about doing this. And I'm watching people being soccer kicked in the face. I'm seeing teeth that are flying mm-hmm. out. And I'm thinking, you know, these are not exactly skills I possess. But then they said, hey, look at this scrawny guy doing jujitsu. Now, granted, he was referring to Hoist Gracie. And I kept thinking, <laughs> well, a person does have to be within arm's range to punch, kick, 
knee or elbow, I kept thinking, well, if I stay out of range, close the distance quickly enough, clinch, take down, and jam them up against the cage wall, uh, I, I stand a chance. And that was kind of like the, the basis of how I advanced forward <laughs> in that crazy in- industry. That's So, Dan, so that brought a couple of things to mind what you were just talking about. When you first – I want to ask all three of you this, this question. Um, Shannon, uh, sorry, Travis, I know that you um, were quite the active street fighter in your day. I know that. Uh-huh. Um, Dan and, and Shannon, I don't know if you guys have that experience. I do want to ask about that in a moment. But the, the first question I want to ask, when you're sizing somebody up, what was – so you're all new to the sport at a certain point when we were all new to it. What was your first impression when you saw Hoist Gracie? I thought he was a scrawny little guy. I didn't know anything about him. I was like, how's this guy going to win? Okay. All right. Fair enough. I thought that might be the answer. And Travis, how about yourself? Well, the first time I saw him was UFC 3. And as you know, like he had the fight with Kimo and that was it. And yep. uh, then the next time I saw him was UFC 4. And I think that was Dan's debut. And uh, I was shocked that he beat Dan. My, I, you know. That was, we thought uh, Dan was going to kill him. Dan, were you shocked? By that match? <laughs> uh, well, no. I mean, it's. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know going going into the uh, tournament in the force for the uh, first format. Um, I knew that my my international wrestling background really helped me out a great deal. Why I say that is because um, a lot of countries don't like the United States and to be screwed over on the mat and to have dirty things happening to you out on the mat, people, you know, trying to choke you for real with your, use your headgear against you, things of that nature, even fish hooking you. Uh, that was a uh, pretty commonplace to see happen in, uh, in amateur wrestling on the international basis. Um, no, no kidding. Okay, all right. Because yeah, you know, people, yeah. people look at wrestlers as being all American, but it's it's not really quite quite the way now, it now, is. I, I always say that inside the United States, it is civilized, it is nice, but international competition is a whole different animal. And you know, matches used to be nine minutes long, three three minute periods, and that's uh, that's a, a tall undertaking when you go go that long, but. Uh, uh, I think what was the original question that you, you asked about was, oh, okay, uh, looking at a uh, hoist Gracie. No, I, I mean, I, I learned real quick in the wrestling room that size did not matter. Um, I went to college at Arizona State University, and on a regular basis, I would watch little Billy Rosado. He was he wrestled at the 118-pound weight class, and I would watch him probably at least once or twice a week. He would attack. Big James Mitchell, the heavyweight at Arizona State, who weighed 450 pounds. Well, excuse me, no, about 4, 420, 425 is what he weighed. And and little Billy Rosado choked him out every single time. And it just, it amazed me, you know, that, that, that cliche, it's not the size of the man in the fight, but the size of the fight in the man. And I kept thinking, he proved it time and time again. I always would say, pound for pound, he was the toughest guy I ever seen in, in the wrestling room. At 118. Okay, so you saw Hoyce, and there there was no prejudgment on on your part at all. Um, how what what do Shannon? You're teaching kids, is that right? 
Yeah, I, I teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu to kids, adults, you know, everybody. All right, so so kids come into this now, and and Dan, I know you run a lot of camps. Uh, Travis, do you get involved in instruction ever? Have you in the past? Oh, I'm a dog, man. I can't be. Uh, I got to be coach. I can't. Uh, I can't coach for shit. All right, fair enough, man. That's uh, that, that's honest. What do you What do you guys tell people these days when they want that want to be fighters? Do you, Do you have a standard line of advice? I tell them why. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, it's really hard. Now I get somebody to come in and wants to be a fighter. I pretty much tell them uh, I'm not your guy. I don't, I don't want to train any fighters. I don't want to teach fighters. Um, I got one person that's my protege that I'm actually training. But other than that, I, I just, I don't want to do it, man. There's one fighters are, are prima donnas. They're crybabies. They, you got to babysit uh, them. I mean, dude, they're they're They got ne never have any money. I mean, Fighters are the hardest well, people in the world well, to deal with. I'm going to interrupt here on Shannon because I think Shannon and Dan can both agree with this uh, because these guys both have traveled the world as I have too where we didn't bring a corner guy. Yeah. And uh, most guys can't go anywhere without their coach because they need their coach and they're coddling the whole time, remind them they're a man. Yeah, hold and their hand. Yeah, hold their hand throughout the whole fight. Like, you can do it. It's like, I don't need anybody there telling me I can do it. And these guys <laughs> don't either. But, uh, but, a lot of those fighters do. That's why they won't go anywhere without their coach to tell them they're great and remind them they're awesome. And it's like, yeah. whatever. I, on, a, on a comedic note, I'll, I'll play off of what Travis has said right there because, you know, Tra uh, Rick, when you introduced, you introduced me, you, you kind of mentioned the fact that I'm, I'm a little bit more of the uh, financially savvy individual. Well, that is true. And I used to negotiate more money for my first because I did not travel with a second or a corner man. Yep, and I didn't like, I learned it from Dan. Like, I actually like, learned that from Dan. Who's <laughs> they're like? Who's who's going to be the corner? I look around in the locker room. I, I, uh, I that guy, scrawny little kid. I say, uh, "What are you doing for the next 20, 25 minutes?" And he, and he like be, be wide eyed, shocked, and because uh, I mean the reality is all I ever would have was someone that he, as long as they had a water bottle and a towel and, uh, a, towel and uh, a watch, because when they when they finally did go. To the element of time, mm -hmm. I would just have them say, yell out, four minutes or left, three minutes or left. But once we got through on that two-minute mark, I, I had them always say, give me the 30-second intervals. Because at that point, if I felt I might be losing a round, I, I knew what I had to do to turn it around to w w win that round. Mm -hmm. So uh, other than that, I did not have to have a corner person. Yeah, and I, I always thought that was interesting, Dan. And Shannon, you say you learned that from Dan. I, Dan, I remember, and I, I got to tell a story. I hope Dan doesn't mind this, but I, I'm going to bring it up. I booked Dan for a fight once in uh, in London. And do you remember that, Dan, at Cage Rage, when Cage Rage was very hot? And oh, wait, no, is this is where I was stranded in an airport for three days? Yes, that was the one. Okay. That was the one. Right. And and you fought a uh, a gentleman by the name of Dave Legino. I know you've had so many fights. You may you may not remember him, or you may. Really good dude. He he passed uh, a few years ago, unfortunately. Oh, and Dave okay. Dave was the promoter's boy. They were really looking out for him. And he uh, he lost his first three fights, and he came back and he won three. He beat Kimo. He beat Herb Dean and Herb's last fight. They brought uh, they had me bring you in. You, of course, showed up with no corner man, and I remember you talking about why, so I remember that. And uh, do you, I don't know if you remember the following or not, but 
they came to me and they go, hey, uh, Dave's on a pretty good roll here, man. We'll, uh, we know Dan's a businessman. We'll throw him another 10 grand if he'll, uh, you know, do the honors for Dave here. And, uh, but we don't want Dave to know about it. I'm like, okay. And I brought, it to <laughs> I brought it to you and you turned it down. I was really surprised that, that you turned that down. Um, yeah. So how you guys come from the early days, man. How, how many well, times were you approached to do uh, essentially pro wrestling matches in what was supposed to be a mixed martial arts fight? Does that happen a lot, well, you guys? I can tell you on uh, on what you were saying there about the promoter's boys, uh, one of the good things about the athletic commissions is on two different occasions, um, I had to go the distance. And... Uh, gave the rights to me because I actually the judges were afterward um, Travis you're uh, John it sounds like Travis is cutting out on us is, are you getting him no I cut out a little bit there yeah, cut yeah. Out, Travis Travis you're cutting out we can't get what you're saying I don't know if there's a way to adjust your connection or not go back to the hot spot All right, he's going to come back, it looks like. You guys, well, Shannon, oh, are you back? I think you're good. Um, I, I I was fine. I could hear you guys. I don't know what happened to you. Right. Now you're good. Now you're good. Right. Say, it, say it again, Travis. What, what I was saying was uh, um, twice I, I was uh, – before the athletic commissions were in place, uh, I fought an event where I fought the promoter's boy, and, uh, and I won the fight. It went the distance, and uh, the promoter took the scorecards – and gave it to the other guy, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And I mean, this is—I knew the—I knew the judges, so I asked. And I was actually at an event. Uh, I helped Dan get a fight in Minnesota, and they tried to do that to Dan, and I wouldn't let them. And uh, I mean, they were going to screw Dan on a fight. I don't even know if Dan remembers that. Uh, they were going to give it to his opponent, and I wouldn't let him do it because Dan won the fight. Oh. So, yeah, that I, I mean, I did recall that was offhand. You guys hear all? Uh, it was and then, against a guy named Brian Hadeen. Hmm. And then, guys, I actually once, um, I actually once accused Shannon of doing a pro wrestling match on one of my shows. Um, do you remember that, Shannon? This was, what uh, is, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm a pro wrestling guy by was trade, it, was and, it, and I, I usually know. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the Valor shows. It was a Valor fighting show. You were booked in the main event with another very good friend of mine, Maverick, oh, yeah. the Soul Collector. Yeah, Harvey. And I usually know what I'm looking at. And you guys did a fight, and it was, it was like, it was like an action movie, man. It really was. I mean, it was flipping nuts. And I went up to you guys afterwards, and you think I would know from my background. And I actually asked you guys, and you both said, nope, that was legit. I said, good enough for me, man. <laughs> That's all right. But um, have you found yourself in, in those situations often in your career or not? Not not been part of the deal for you? Which guy are you asking? <laughs> Shannon. Oh, no, no, Shannon. no. Nope. Yeah, it's... Um, you know, you, you read all the old stories, you know, the um, the, the Mark Hall, Don Fries, and, and the rest of them. And, uh, 
you know, I get that question a lot, being that I was so involved in, in pro wrestling and crossed over to mixed martial arts. Do you guys think with the advent of the athletic commissions and regulation by the commissions that there are any fights still that are being worked in the sport? Or do you think that is a thing of the past? I think it's a thing because yeah. even a lot of times promoters or the athletic commission, if I've had a couple of times where they've said during the rules meeting, if they suspect that you're suspended indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan. Yep. Could, could you, could you hear me? Okay, Rick. Yep. Yep. Well, what I was going to just uh, to jump in on a couple of things was, you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of uh, matches where, the promoter basically had a, a a much lesser skilled athlete for me, and uh, and basically, that what they knew I would do is I mean it's a real fight, but literally I would put on a show, in a sense that I would grab the guy and I would I would do, lateral drop him into the cage wall and he bounce off it or something like that. Uh, um, I would uh, throw. A wicked knees into their body, but instead of actually hitting them in the body and really uh, hurting them, instead of hurting them, I would uh, thump the, my knee right into the, the the floor mat in itself to where it was. Uh, I, I had some professional wrestlers watching me, and they're like, "Going, oh, they made the comment." Dan Severn, the only guy I know that can work a shoot and shoot a work. <laughs> no, that's that a, a high placed comment, but my but my opponents did not know that though at the time. No, I, I, and, and I hear you. So it's it's a shoot, yet you're you're putting on a show. Don't isn't even if you're that far superior, aren't you still running a risk that you could get caught, or are you so in control? You know that's just ain't possible. Well, no, no, no. Uh, there, there is there's always going to be a chance because it, it's a fight. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Well, I think that's the word is called an upset, <laughs> or, right, or someone. Right. Or someone tees off on you all of a sudden, where you you know you got the, the all the bets are, are because someone is such a high profile individual. Um, no, I mean there, there's always that risk right there, um, and then again, just always, always just depends. Uh, I've only ever had that. I think maybe something like that happened to me maybe once or twice where I was putting on the show and and it worked against me to where. Uh, I got caught with something, or um, I ran out of gas and, and could could uh, and, and then became fell victim to somebody else. Yeah, you just well, don't know. Do you? I, I was um, I was telling Travis when we spoke on the phone last week that I brought um, I brought Mark Coleman to Pride for the first time, and he did that match with uh, Takata. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. And you know that's when Mark had lost his UFC deal. He needed money, and it was a big big payoff. And he was brought there to put Takata over. And during that fight, Mark beat the hell out of Takata. And he had him in a neck crank. And I was sure he was going to tap him. I think I was the first corner man in the history of the business yelling instructions at their fighter how to lose the fight. I mean, I think <laughs> really bad if he had won that fight. You know, we may, may not have come out of Japan alive. I don't know. But, um, well, so. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a good times. So Shannon and Dan, you guys have both done a considerable amount of pro wrestling. Do you, do you have more coming up in your immediate futures? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I just signed with the Heart Legacy Wrestling. So as soon as this whole COVID thing is is up and uh, gone, uh, I'll be going back to Canada wrestling there. So yeah, I, I I love pro wrestling, man. I think it's great. 
your 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 yeah, shoulder. Sorry, Dan. No, no, just same, basically same there for me there, Rick, in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, I'll say that life will start reemerging there. It's right around September uh, that uh, a lot more bookings, you know, that a lot of these promoters, are, they're booking things uh, far enough out because uh, hopefully by then uh, the social distancing will have gotten closer and closer and uh, they might allow more fans to appear. I think it's both the UFC and the, the WWE that actually ran the very first couple uh, events minus the crowds, but they had to have, you know, temperatures, you know, uh, all kinds of, all kinds of things in place in order to do that. I, I had, I did have a lot of fun with that because, uh, I think I, I told you previously that, uh, I was doing an interview, uh, just after Dana White had made the comment that, uh, they were going to be, he was going to be running the, the fight shows on a private Island. Fight Island. Yes. Yes. And that's when, when the, the interviewer was, was asking me, he says, well, what do you think about Dana White saying this? I go, well, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to say. And he goes, what do you mean? I says, well, I said, yours truly just recently purchased an island. And all of a sudden, he just, he ran for it. He just, he bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And he's like, you're hosting the UFC on your island? And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't say that. So literally, as I'm trying to put out the fire, I was kind of fanning the flames at the same time. So I, I had a lot of fun during that interview. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Fight Island is not in Abu Dhabi. It's at Dan Severin's compound in Michigan. The main event, three-way dance. Dan Severin versus Travis Colton versus Shannon Rich. I like it. Is there, is there really the Fight Island? Is that an Abu Dhabi thing? Um, has it been announced where he it is? He hasn't announced the island yet. So, I mean, right now he said it's uh, the infrastructure is being built. They're building the, the venue and, you know, the housing, the, the dorms, everything, warm-up room areas. He says, but he hasn't said where it's at. But he said it's, he did buy one. And, and I guess they booked Paige, Paige Van Zandt as the main event in the first Fight Island. I, that much, I'd like to fight Paige Van Zandt. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, that's just well, all, I got a, that's I, I got a funny... Uh, like Abu Dhabi, like, because uh, I, I got invited. I, I don't know if I went to the second or third one of those. And, uh, I mean, it was like that. You didn't know who you were taking on. And uh, I just remember there was this big, fat, young-looking guy. And uh, I'm like, I want that fat fuck in the first round. And I got him. And his ass was so big, like, uh, I I couldn't shoot a double on him. He, he wasn't even strong, but I couldn't get him down. And it, it went 15 minutes with no decision. And they gave him the win. They said he was uh, the, the aggressor, and I disagreed with that. <laughs> but uh, but the guy I, I took on was Josh Barnett. I mean, I nah. didn't know who he was. <laughs> but but I was all pissy pants, and I went home because right, I felt like I ripped off and whatever. That's stupid. Now you ended up uh, competing against Josh or not? Then no, I did take. I took on Josh in the Abu Dhabi when I competed up there. Yeah. But I didn't know who he was. I mean, he just looked like a chubby, chubby I guy. And... Talk about looks can be deceiving, right? He's probably the poster child for that, I would say. Oh, he yeah. was. Him, his, and, uh, him and Roy Nelson. His... <laughs> yeah. Roy Nelson has the same kind of body I mean, type. But Josh got beat in, uh, in the semifinals by uh, some, I don't know the fuck the guy was. He looked even chubbier and younger than Josh. And he, like, tossed him and uh Beat him like two to nothing or something. They had weird scoring over there, but uh, 
Hmm. I'd never heard of that guy before or heard of him. I didn't remember his name. So, hey, I'd like like to switch gears a bit. I know you guys all have things you're working on. Um, Dan, I know you got a thousand things you're working on. Uh, you're 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 always at the the top end of entrepreneurship. But I, I want to ask, um, like, what's what's exciting in your lives right now? What what are you what are you working toward and hoping the next couple of years brings for you? Shannon, do you want to take that first? Well, I just opened the gym back up, ShannonBJJ.net. And uh, here in Glendale, Arizona. So I got the gym going back open. Um, we're doing that. Training. I'm training my ass off, man. I'm trying to get back in shape. I was fighting heavyweight for a while. So I'm dropping back down to uh, like the 205 area. I don't, I don't want to be a fat guy no more. And um, we'll see what see what else uh, happens. I got a, I got a, a documentary coming out. We're, uh, we're in the final phases of editing it. And hopefully we get it out on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some of the the tape. It looks really good, man. I yeah. I hope to see it on Netflix. What I've yeah. seen looks amazing so far. Yeah, so me too. good. It's gonna be good. And uh, did did I read somewhere recently that you're after Mike Tyson for a bare knuckle belt? Well, see, right now I'm the current heavyweight bare knuckle boxing champion, and and he wants to do bare knuckles. So I called him out. I also called out you know Vanderlei Silva, Shannon Briggs. Uh, none of these guys. You know, everybody wants to say they want to fight until it comes to sign a dotted line. You know, I've okay. been here, I have yeah. the belt, and I've been saying, hey, guys, let's fight. And nobody wants to fight. So I'm just All sitting right. here with a belt going, when, when am I going to fight again? So let's talk about that fighter mindset then. So you're you're saying here on the record, you would absolutely get in a boxing ring and fight Mike Tyson in boxing rules with no gloves on. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Why not? Right. No, why not? I don't know. Why not, man? Um, I, I'm I got, guessing I got most. pretty big hands, man. All right, all right. <laughs> Travis, would you fight uh, Mike Tyson bare knuckles boxing? Oh, we lost him. He'll be back. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would too. I I, I want to ask him this question. The 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 man with the. Well, I'll, I'll just jump in there, Rick. I'll just jump in there, Rick, and say that. No, I'll I'll pass. I'll pass on that one. <laughs> ask Travis. I bet he'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do in here? Would would you uh would you fight Mike Tyson in a bare knuckle boxing match? I don't give a fuck. The only thing I'm working on right now is a twelve pack of Bud Light. I got nothing going. But you'd fight him, right? If they if they offered you the fight, you'd do it. I, I'd do it. I don't give a See? shit. I figured I'd be a dirty boxing motherfucker. I might bite his ear. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a mindset. Now, Dan, I know you're a little more analytical. So you already said no. That that's not your fight. Boxing with Mike Tyson bare knuckle, but um, you, yeah, you would, could, that, would that be a good night? Yeah, wouldn't that be a good night for me? Fair, fair enough, but you could do the Roddy Piper Mister T deal where you just take him down, get take and take the disqualification, right? Yeah, oh, I yes. saw Dan do that with Butterbean once. Just, Tell about that one, man. Dan and Butterbean. Dan yeah. took him down. Oh wait, Dan, did you? Yeah. Were you booked for? Yeah, I, had to keep, I had to keep. Yeah, I did a boxing match with Butterbean, but I mean, he was he was trying to throw these big old haymakers. I just kept clinching them and uh, lateral dropping them. <laughs> I, I did not know you and Bean had been in the ring together. That's awesome. Well, uh, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, I mean, he ended up end up winning the bout because I I ended up getting disqualified because I just I didn't keep throwing her, keep throwing her because I wasn't about to let him get tee off on me. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's yeah. Getting hit by Bean full on is just not. I think I cornered Bean maybe fifteen times, and uh, it's always an experience for sure. I, I did not what? know that you did um, a match with him. That's great. 
I was actually supposed to fight Butterbean, and uh, it was a weird deal. It was out in Idaho, and when I got there, the event was going to start in like 15 minutes, and all they had was the frame of the ring set up, and I've never seen that before. And then when they start putting the wood on, it's like this quarter-inch plywood, and Butterbean complained to him about it, like, this ain't going to hold us, and uh, the athletic commission gave the promoters like an hour like to fix this, and they just basically sat on their hands and... The event got canceled and we all got paid and that was it. So I didn't even get to fight him, but I got paid for it. So hey, that, that's not a bad night. Shannon, have you fought Bean before or been in the ring? <laughs> no, scene? no how, is that, how has that not happened? That's amazing. I, I don't know. I, I can't believe it. Um, hey, I like to give shout outs sometimes to people that are that are on and watching. Uh, the big cat, Tom Erickson, is on watching us. So I always like to say hi to right, Tom. What's up, Tom? Tom's a good dude. Yeah, Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom. Tom and I were in uh, Pride Eleven together. We were in, uh, and we fought in Pride together. And one of the top MMA fighters, probably ever, that that never became the household name that he that he should have become. But I wanted to say hi. I'm glad he's on. Uh, I want to give a shout also to David Marquez, who is the founder and president of United Wrestling Network, one of the top promoters worldwide right now. And uh, Dave, if you're if you're a man. Yep, I've worked with I Dave think, a couple of times in the past. So, yeah, that's a, he's a good man. You know Dave Marquez, yes. Yeah. I, I, Dan, I'm thinking you and Shannon and Travis as a six-man tag in pro wrestling would be money, man. That would be pretty it. cool. Let's go. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not kidding around. Dave, let's let's uh, do it. I'm planting the seed. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I love it. You plant it, I'll water it. Let's go. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Um, Travis, are you uh, – you going to put any more fights up or are we officially retired? I've never once said I was retired. So I'm only 43 as of today. I'm half, half these guys age. Shannon's still birthday? fighting. Travis, Dan, it's, it's my birthday. I'm old. Oh, happy birthday, man. <laughs> oh, today, and Dan, today? Dan fought until he was like 65 years old. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got some time left. <laughs> at 43 you could probably get another couple hundred in easily yeah <laughs> that that is awesome that is fantastic um travis what what's so uh, apart from the 12 pack of beer <laughs> what what else is happening in life and happy birthday by the way i didn't know it was your birthday today what? that's really cool uh -huh. What else is happening in life like what's what's exciting that's happening in in iowa and in the fulton household Nothing. I, I live. I'm I'm on my own island, except for I'm not surrounded by water. I <laughs> my nearest neighbor's a mile away. I live in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I live alone, and I ain't got shit going on. Come on, it's Friday night. I'm drinking alone. It's my birthday. That's how much I got going on. Wow. Well, you know, you know what, Travis? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And it's, you know, life's interesting. I'm gonna get philosophical for a moment. Okay, so guys and girls watching, Travis Fulton is the the man who has more mixed martial arts fights on record than anybody in the history of the planet. The um, Iron Man of MMA. So I would imagine you're in the Guinness Book of Records. I haven't looked at a Guinness Book in years, but I would imagine that, that you'd be in there for that. And you're home Friday night in Iowa drinking alone. You know, it's like, I'm just going to say this. I'm not trying to make you feel bad because I'm, I'm on Maui, which sounds all kinds of cool. You know, and I've, I've got my my Emmy Award and I've got, you know, as a top executive at the Walt Disney Company. And you know what I'm going to be doing tonight? Sitting home and Friday night drinking alone. So I'm I'm right there with you, 
Travis. Happy birthday, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll raise a, a glass to you later for sure. Um, Shannon, are you living clean these days? Oh, yeah, man. Everything. Yep. Always, huh? Yep. And and Dan, I won't even ask you, man. Uh, have I know that we were in pubs together in, in England, and I, I don't think we could even get you to hold a beer, could we? Yeah, Dan doesn't drink too much, right, Dan? Well, no, I, and you still can't because I, I just I don't like the taste of beer. That, that's all it is. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll drink like a, a wine spritzer, wine cooler, that kind of stuff. I mean, so I'm uh, you know a lot of these guys that are always like, damn, let's do shots. I go, well, uh, okay, I'll be like doing a shot. No, I I just I just don't care for the taste. Uh, so yeah. that that that's just me. Just it's just my preference. You know, you know what I loved about that. What I really liked about that, Shannon and, and Travis, is that we're we're talking to UFC Hall of Famer Dan the Beast, the Beast Severin, and he drinks wine spritzers. I love or that. Mountain Dew. He's a Mountain Dew guy too. Or Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mountain Dew is pretty hardcore compared to wine spritzers. Diet though, right, Dan? Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you go. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, now, now, now again. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So try to try to keep those try to keep those oh, calories we, down. Come on now. I don't think their uh, internet's working so well, man. Their connection. Yeah, down. we've lost. Um, I plead out because I. Did you lose me? Am I still on? Yeah, you were cutting out there for a second. Hello. Am I back with you guys? You are. Okay. <laughs> yes, we've got we got Travis back in voice. Uh, Dan is in and out. Shannon, you are loud and clear. So, um, man, you know what? I, I, I one thing I get about you guys, and and I've always thought, and Shannon and Dan, I know both you guys pretty well. Travis, were acquainted recently, is you, you, I think you're very different than what most people's perception of. A professional fighter would be. Um, I mean, first of all, you're you're all clean living. I mean, twelve pack of beer, big deal. Um, it's pretty clean. Little heroin in there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, shit, shoot up every now and then. That ain't no big deal. Um, yeah, and, and and when the veins on the arms aren't working, Travis, you know to go between the toes. All right, I'm sure you know that. I mean, yeah, you got to hide it. Right. Okay. Cool. Good. Glad we got that handled. Shit <laughs> is shaking his head. Okay. Um, all right, so I, I, I'm I'm, not, I'm probably gonna end up shooting myself between the toes for this later. At the top of uh, the introduction, I said I really wanted to avoid politics, and I, I don't really want to invite that discussion. But what what I want to ask you guys is this right now: if if you had the ear of the uh, entire American public. And the way people are fighting and conducting themselves right now. This is a kind of on the spot question. It has nothing to do with mixed martial arts whatsoever. But I think it has a lot to do with your fighter mentality. I mean, what what what's in your mind? What's your message for what's about what's going on in this world right now? Mine would be everybody's a bitch and everybody was looking to get offended. So fuck all of you and fucking live life, you bunch of pussies. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> Shannon? Oh, man. Can't we all get along? I mean, 
this is 2020. You know what I mean? And, yep. uh, and, and man, I, I back the blue badge. I got a lot of friends in law enforcement. I'm former uh, correction officer. I back the badge, but what happened in Minneapolis was definitely uh, wrong. That, that guy, he should go to prison. Um, Hey man, you know, one bad apple, it, it, it spoils a whole bunch. You know what I mean? Not all bad. All cops are bad. Not, not all cops are bad. You have a few bad guys. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's not a race thing. Everybody wants to throw in this race thing. You know, it's not. It's not race thing, man. And uh, people just need to learn, man. And and I 100% say you can protest. That's great, man. I like to hear you protest. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. But when you start looting, man, you just, you lost me when you loot. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, just just bottom line there, just to throw my two cents in, just you know, I, I I big I'm a big believer in just the golden rule there of life there, Rick, all altogether. Just do unto others as the same as you'd want to have done unto you. So people all are, right, not, are not even being civil <laughs> to each other. So it's uh you know uh, I, I'm wanna I wanna echo what Dan just said, man. I and well Shannon said it too. Can't we all just get along? And, Can't we all just get along, man? And, and Travis, in his old inimitable way, kind of, kind of said the same thing. <laughs> but, you, man, it's like I was having this discussion last night, Dan, with my good friend Darren McBee, who was Malibu of the American Gladiators, if you remember that. And we were talking about just how much divisiveness is out there right now. And it's Republican versus Democrat and left versus right and conspiracy theorists versus you know, Republicans don't care if people die. Democrats don't care if the economy is ruined. And at, at the end of the day, man, it's like, look, you guys get in the ring and you fight. You're purists. You're not trying to hurt anybody. And if you would think if everybody adopted that attitude. I know this is very, I'm just sounding very remedial in saying this. But my, my message is, man, just be nice. Be nice. That would solve a lot of problems, man. Look, man, there's a lot of people they, they hate their own lives. Look, all of us have been around the world. All of us have been around the world. And you know what? There's no better place than the United States of America. I don't care. I've been everywhere. The United oh, States of America is the best place in the world. And you know what? People need to take care of it because if we, if we destroy it, it's not going to be here anymore. Yep. But because we're the United States, so you that's why these people have a voice in other countries. You'd be killed just for having that voice. Yeah. Yep. So. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope that the um, I hope the voice remains alive and well, and that the uh, and that it stops sowing the seeds of hatred. That's all I have to say about that. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about Tank Abbott. Who fought Tank Abbott here? Just Dan. Yeah, just Dan. I never got just, a chance. Just Dan. Yeah. Dan, what was it like? Tank's a good friend of mine. I love Tank. Um, but, you know, having the conversation with Tank about what was your mindset when you were fighting, Tank will tell you he was there to hurt people. Um, what, what do you think when you hear that? What, what, like, what, what reaction comes to mind? Yep, kind of broke up. Can you, can you hear me okay, Rick? Yeah, got you now. Yes. Did you, yeah, uh, my, you get my, that my, question? My, 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 my just so you know, my, my battery's running low. I'm down to about 20%, so if I do cut out, it means my battery probably died. Fair enough. We're about to wrap up. Uh, we're about to wrap up anyway. Um, I was going to ask... You don't know, but, but, but you, I, I did hear enough, but if you, if you can hear what I say, um, you know, when I first saw Tank Gabbett, I mean, I could just see the mentality of him. He was out there to hurt somebody. I mean, literally, 
I, I, I've always, I felt that uh, he was trying to secure the first kill in the octagon uh, because, I mean, the reality is you only had two rules to abide by, no biting, no eye gouging. So literally, you could take another man's life. As a matter of fact, even on those early contracts, it stated in the event of your accidental death, they're not liable. So, you know, I remember signing this contract. I'm thinking, what's my guarantee walking up here? $1,000. Well, I'm thinking that my carcass is worth more than a grand. So, but, uh, you know, all I was just say is that when I, when I went out against Tank, I just say that I tried to do, I tried to nullify everything he could. I didn't want to be struck by him whatsoever. So I just basically used the ground game, used the clinch game, and just punished him on the ground. Right. You know, I, I, I bring it up, you know, as I mentioned, Tank's a friend, you know, you probably know he's had some really hard times medically in the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, he's hanging in there um, and he's like, he's a changed guy. You talk to him now. And I, I don't want to say he's a, a warm, fuzzy, gentle teddy bear because that probably, that's description probably never after Tank Abbott. But, um, you know, he's married. He's got a good, solid marriage and talking to him now, you can tell the mentality has changed. So, I guess yes. the moral of that is Tank Abbott can do it. Anybody can. Yeah. I actually met him at a couple of different Comic-Cons. Uh, and uh, and I I stopped by, shook his hands. You know, to me, it's like going, I, I don't try to hold grudges against people. I try to simply just keep moving along. And I went on to talk with him quite a bit. And, and you're exactly spot on there, Rick. He was definitely a, a changed individual. Hey, Rick, the next time we do one of these, man, you got to get Don Fry on. Oh, Don would be awesome on here. Get Don Fry on here, man. We will do that, man. Are we going to do the Tom Selleck and Freddie Mercury thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you knew you weren't getting away with that without hearing that. Oh, damn. Oh, I, can't it. It. I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. I don't know. That's in some ways, it's almost complimentary. That's all right. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, we, we, are, we are past the hour. Um, easily could talk with you guys all night, but I, I want to thank you for the the time that you devoted to this today. I really do appreciate it. Um, Shannon, I'm serious about the three of you guys together in a six man. I think we should get you to Japan. That'd be Let's awesome. Do it. Hey, make the phone call. We'll all go. If I'm on it. Yeah, it. That'd be fun. I'll be there. Right on. Good. Hey, you guys, um, really, really good having you on. Thank you all. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, tell everybody out there, you heard it from Shannon Rich and Dan Severin. Travis said it in his own amazing way. Just be cool, man. Be nice. Mm -hmm. That can mm -hmm. good. Um, for Dan the B. Severin, Shannon the Cannon Rich, and the Iron Man, Travis Fulton, signing off for Talking Tough. Thank you, guys. Good night, guys. Thanks. Happy birthday, Travis. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Travis. Travis. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.